0: Welcome to our sermon. I am Pastor Nathan Escarraga, and I am sure that God will speak to you through his word today. But I wanted to give you an idea of, of how great the book is. Even if a lot of the perspective, a lot of the perspective from the author of the book is looking at life without looking at it through the lens of eternity. If you read the book of Solomon, there's, he often says... Uh, Everything is meaningless. Everything is meaningless. And he talks about basically when we die, that's it. That's all there is. And that just shows how futile and meaningless life is. And we got through the first seven chapters of, of the book, and we touched on a few things. Uh, some of the things we learned from our previous time. Much of the book is written from the perspective of having no afterlife, and it makes everything meaningless. Now, the author of the book of Ecclesiastes, most people believe, is Solomon, who was the wisest man ever to live. He was also the richest man ever to live. Like, he makes, he makes the, the people who are rich today look like paupers. He was worth trillions. He was also king over what was at that point the superpower nation in the world. Which means he was the most powerful man in the world. Anything he said, that's the way it was going to be. He had total rule. And he had total wisdom. Because when he he was going to be king, God came to him and he said, listen Solomon, he said, ask me anything and I'll give it to you. You're going to be king of Israel. You're David's son. I'm going to give you the kingdom. What do you want? And Solomon proved he was already wise. Because Solomon said, you know what, Lord? You're making me king over this multitude of people, and I'm just a child. I need wisdom. I need to know how to rule these people. And God was pretty pleased with that, actually, that he had asked for that. So God gave him wisdom. But he said, because you asked for this, Solomon, I'll also give you the things that you could have asked for, like wealth and long life. And Solomon had all of that because he would asked for wisdom. The author tried many things to see if they would bring satisfaction, he tried pleasure, tried hard work, tried being lazy, tried building great buildings and great architectural things, and all of these things he said are just meaningless, none of them satisfied him, nothing he did satisfied him, nothing filled the hole. Nothing filled the void. And in Ecclesiastes 3, he says, I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. He learned that riches are meaningless. All the money that he had, and he realized it was meaningless. He watched so many people who would spend their entire lives striving and toiling to build and to become extremely wealthy just to leave it to somebody else. And as he says, who knows what that person's going to do with that wealth. They could just squander it, which often happens. And even worse is the man who has no children and who does that. He spends his whole life working 80 hours a week building an empire to leave it to no one. Meaningless, totally meaningless. He tells us a man who cannot enjoy his prosperity is worse than someone who was never born. It would be better to be stillborn than not to be able to enjoy your prosperity. He teaches us that we need to learn to be content with what we have. So we're going to carry on and, and we'll get into verse or chapter 8 now. And we're we're basically again we're just going to touch on things as we go here cuz you could go forever as as it is most of the books of the Bible Who is like the wise who knows the explanation of things A person's wisdom brightens their face and changes its hard appearance A wise person is usually gracious and very gentle and it will show in their facial features Obey the king's command, I say, because you took an oath before God. Do not be in a hurry to leave the king's presence. Do not stand up for a bad cause, for he will do whatever he pleases. Since king's word is supreme, who can say to him, what are you doing? The New Testament tells us the same thing. That we are to obey those who are put in power over us. Now, there is a course, a caveat to that, as long as it's in God's will. And we see many of the disciples in the book of Acts who did not follow what they were told to do because it was against what God's will is. Whoever obeys his command will come to no harm, and the wise heart will know the proper time and procedure. For there is a proper time and procedure for every matter, though a person may be weighed down by misery. Obey his command. That still holds true today. There's a story of uh, one of our former prime ministers, and I won't, I won't say his name, but he was probably a liberal. He wanted his friend in Quebec to get a certain thing done, and a judge refused. And the prime minister told the judge, you will either do this or I will ruin your life. And the judge said, no, what you're doing is wrong. And the Prime Minister had the power to ruin that man's life. He lost everything. We need to be careful when we're dealing with people in power, even when they're doing wrong. That's not to say that we don't stand up and talk about it, but there are consequences. Ask John when he stood up against Herod and what he was doing. Since no one knows the future, who can tell someone else what is to come? As no one has power over the wind to contain it, so no one has power over the time of their death. And no one is discharged in time of war, so wickedness will not release those who practice it. Solomon finds that there are no winners in death. And again, looking at at it from the perspective of there is no eternity. If death is the end, then there's no winners. Nobody wins. The same thing happens to the rich and the poor, the wicked and the godly. The same thing happens. We all just hit the end and we die. All this I saw as I applied my mind to everything done under the sun. There is a time when a man lords it over others to his own hurt. Then too I saw the wicked buried, those who used to come and go from the holy place and receive praise in the city where they did this. This too is meaningless. Solomon was in a good spot as king to see other kings who oppress their people. It's always been this way, even up to this day. There are rulers who oppress their people. When the sentence for a crime is not quickly carried out, people's hearts are filled with schemes to do wrong. This is a problem we currently have in our own country. I'll give you an example. Two NHL players both driving drunk, both killed a person. One did it in the States, one did it in Canada. In the States, the person who did it was sentenced, or found guilty and sentenced within six months. In Canada, it was over three years for that person to be found guilty and sentenced. When justice is delayed, there is no justice. And we're at the point now, and and you can ask your police friends or your judge friends or pretty much anybody that's in the system, they don't even bother anymore. Like, they don't even bother. The police have a a saying, and I I can't say it because it's rude, but they have a saying that basically if they see something, drive on. It's not worth it. By the time I'm done the paperwork, they're back out in the street already. We have a friend that works for the RCMP out west and and he hates it. He said, my life is on the line on a regular basis. I never know when they're gonna shoot me. But we charge them, we write them up, they're back in the street doing it again within, before I'm done the paperwork. We have a problem with our justice system now, among many things. Although a wicked person who commits 100 crimes may live a long time, I know that it will go better with those who fear God, who are reverent before him. Yet because the wicked do not fear God, it will not go well with them, and their days will not lengthen like a shadow. So even though on this side of heaven, we often see, I see people get away with a lot of things. They ultimately will not get away with those things. There's something else meaningless that occurs on earth. We did discuss last time we were going through this book that this can be a very depressing book. Because basically, everything is meaningless. Our whole life is futile. There's something else meaningless that occurs on earth. The righteous who get what the wicked deserve and the wicked who get what the righteous deserve, this too, I say, is meaningless. Have you seen that happen? There's a saying, no good deed goes unpunished. Have you ever heard that? Have you heard that saying? I know some of you old guys and girls have heard that. No good deed goes unpunished. You know what? It's true. How often have you done something, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to sacrifice here and, and do a good deed, and you get kicked in the butt for it. Right? Often, often I see that. And then you see the wicked prosper. The wicked prosper and the righteous do not. It's meaningless. Again, looking from the perspective of no eternity, it's heartbreaking, it's meaningless to see this happen. So, I commend the enjoyment of life because there is nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat, eat and drink and be glad. Then joy will accompany them in their toil all the days of their life God has given them under the sun. He'll come back to this again and again and again. Listen, basically what what Solomon's conclusion a lot of the time here is, life sucks. Make the best of it, right? Things are going to happen, life's full of crap, make the best of it. Enjoy your food, enjoy your work, enjoy the person you love, and make the best of it. When I applied my mind to know wisdom and to observe the labor that is done on earth, people getting no sleep day or night, then I saw all that God has done. No one can comprehend what goes on under the sun. Despite all their efforts to search it out, no one can discover its meaning. Even if the wise claim they know, they cannot really comprehend it. This is Solomon realizing that even in his wisdom, he doesn't really understand God. And we try to put God in a box on a regular basis, don't we? We all want God to fit in this tidy little box that we've made, and this is, this is God. But God is, as they say in, uh, which in the world, no, what is it? God is not a tame lion. We, we can't put God in a box, and we certainly can't understand God. Sometimes things happen in our lives that have absolutely, they make no sense And, and that's God we don't understand God we don't understand his perspective we don't understand what his full plan is that's why he's God and we're not so I reflected on all of this and concluded that the righteous and the wise and what they do are in God's hands but no one knows whether love or hate awaits them all share a common destiny, the righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the clean and the unclean, those who offer sacrifices and those who do not. As it is with the good, so with the sinful. As it is with those who take oaths, so with those who are afraid to take them. Again, we're looking again here from a no eternity perspective. Creation and its glory tells us there's a God, okay? And, and scripture tells us that. If you look at, I, I really don't understand how you can look at creation and, and believe in evolution. I just don't get it. How can you look at, at us and how we're built, like the, the complexity of a human being, and actually think that that came out of like a, a muck in the ground and evolved? I, I don't understand how you can actually believe that. Creation tells us, all you got to do is look around, and creation tells us there is a God. There is an intelligent being out there that created this. But it doesn't tell us how God feels about us and his creation. And a word of advice here, don't judge God and how he feels about you by what happens in your life. Judge God and how he feels about you by what Christ did on the cross. That's how we know how God feels about us. Because life's gonna throw you stuff. Bad things happen to good people all the time. All the time. Terrible, awful things happen to righteous people on a regular basis. So if we judge God and how he feels about us by what happens in our life, we miss the mark. We have to understand we live in a fallen world. We live in a world that is just filled with evil and sickness and cancer and, and, and sin. And bad stuff is going to happen. But that's not God's doing. That's our own doing. Thanks, Adam. This is the evil in everything that happens under the sun. The same destiny overtakes all. The hearts of people, moreover are full of evil, and there is madness in the hearts while they live, and afterward they join the dead. Anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a live dog is better off than a dead lion. Again, looking at it from the perspective of no eternity, it's better to be a live dog than a dead lion, because what's a dead lion? What can he do? For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no further reward. And even their name is forgotten. We discussed this, and and he discusses this at the beginning of of the book. In a hundred years time, is anybody actually gonna know you or who you were? Is anybody gonna know who you loved, who you hated? What your favorite color was, what your passions were? No, you're gonna be forgotten. Someone might do a family tree and have your name down there on the family tree, but they're not going to know who you were, what you live for, your desires. You're just gone. You're just gone. I told you it's somewhat of a depressing book. Their name is forgotten. Their love, their hate, and their jealousy have long since vanished. Never again will they have a part in anything that happens under the sun. And he comes back to the same thing. Go, eat your food with gladness, and drink your wine with a joyful heart. For God has already approved what you do. Always be clothed in white, and always anoint your head with oil. And in those days, to be dressed in white and to have an anointing would help in that desert sun. Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love, all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun, all your meaningless days, for this is your lot in life and your toilsome labor under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might, for in the realm of the dead where you are going, there is neither working nor planning nor knowledge nor wisdom. Whatever you find to do, do it well. That's really lacking today, really lacking and I'm sure you see it and hopefully you're not it, but good enough, that's good enough. I was fortunate enough to start working for someone who taught me not to do that. It's not good enough, if it's not done right, it's not good enough, do it right. If it takes a little longer or it takes a little more work, it doesn't matter, do it right. But we live in a society where just about everybody, ah, good enough. That'll do. He's telling us here, if you're going to put your hand to it, put your hand to it. Do it. Do it right. I've seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned. But time and chance happen to them all. Moreover, no one knows when their hour will come. As fish are caught in a cruel net or birds are taken in a snare, so people are trapped by evil times that fall unexpectedly upon them. Time and chance are paired here because time and chance have a way of taking away things out of our control. Like that. Just when we think everything's going great, something happens. At blink of an eye. It's usually the blink of an eye. Right? ah, car accident, fall off a ladder, no more hockey for a few weeks. Time and chance happen to us all. And it reminds us that even though we think we're in control, we're not. We really are not in control at all. And we plan and do our best and we, we strive to do this and that and the other, but we really don't know. We don't know when our time will come. We don't know when that bad thing is going to happen. We pretty much can guarantee that at some point it will. At some point it will. I also saw under the sun this example of wisdom that greatly impressed me. There once was a small city with only a few people in it. And a powerful king came against it, surrounded it. And built huge siege works against it. Now there lived in that city a man poor but wise. And he saved the city by his wisdom. But nobody remembered that poor man. So I said wisdom is better than strength. But the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are no longer heeded. This is meaningless. This poor wise man the only thing he really had was to be remembered. Because he would saved the city and nobody remembered him. Nobody remembered him. The quiet words of the wise are not to be heeded, or sorry, are more to be heeded than the shouts of a ruler of fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. We got our first example of this right in the first three chapters of Genesis. God built this beautiful place, spent six days building this incredible place, and in one act of recklessness, Adam destroyed it. One, one act, one bit of defiance, and Adam destroyed it. Or Moses. We all think of Moses as being, and Moses was a great leader, a great man, but he lost his temper and one reckless act, and he was not allowed to go into the promised land. This is almost going to be like the second time I send everybody home like sad. As dead flies give perfume a bad smell, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. Again, one reckless mistake. You can be thought of as really, really wise, and you can ruin that reputation with one bad mistake. People tend to remember the dumb things we do a lot better than the good things and the smart things that we do. The heart of the wise inclines to the right, but the heart of the fool to the left. The right hand is actually regarded as the side of strength, skill, and favor, which is why Christ is sitting on the right hand of God. All right. The left side is actually considered to be weak and bad. As a matter of fact, the Latin word for, la- or for left, the Latin word for sinister, means left. I like to think of this too as our own political system right now right I said to a friend of mine who's a pastor I said hey just take this one scripture the right hand is regarded as the side or sorry the heart of the wise inclines to the right but the heart of the fool to the left I said take that scripture and do a political thing he said oh that'll preach Even as fools walk along the road, they lack sense and show everyone how stupid they are. If a ruler's anger rises against you, do not leave your post. Calmness can lay great offenses to rest. Basically, even in a difficult situation, be faithful to your position. If you know you're right, be faithful to that position. Don't give in. There is an evil I have seen under the sun. There's a lot of evil that Solomon saw under the sun. The sort of error that arises from a ruler. Fools are put in many high positions, while the rich occupy the low ones. I have seen slaves on horseback, while princes go on foot like slaves. Life's not fair, right? The lazy get promoted, and I've, I've seen this. I think in a lot of places, and a lot of the bigger corporations and the bigger companies where some of the ones I've worked at. The guy who's really, really bad worker tends to get promoted to management to get him off the floor. And the really good worker? Well, we can't afford to lose him, so you're not getting promoted. I've also noticed that the lazy guy who gets promoted is the worst boss. expects you to do everything that he never did. Whoever digs a a pit may fall into it. Whoever breaks through a wall may be bitten by a snake. Whoever quarries stones may be injured by them. Whoever splits logs may be endangered by them. If the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed. But skill will bring success. It's a fool who continues to use a dull axe. It takes way more work to chop wood or to cut something with a dull knife. You also have a much greater chance of cutting yourself if it's dull than if it's sharp. I know that seems like an oxymoron, but it it truly is. You're more likely to slip and cut yourself with something dull than something sharp. If it's sharp, it's going to do what it's supposed to do. I know. I know someone who did. They were bragging to me. I dug out my basement by hand with a shovel. I'm thinking. I don't know why you're bragging about that. Like, go rent something. How many years did it take you to do that? If a snake bites before it is charmed, the charmer receives no fee. Makes sense to me. Words from the mouth of the wise are gracious, but fools are consumed by their own lips. At the beginning, their words are folly, and at the end, they are wicked Madness and fools multiply words. Here, a fool actually implies to someone who's a dense, confused thinker. No one knows what is coming. Who can tell someone else what will happen after them? The toil of fools wearies them. They do not know the way to town. Those who don't like to work, those who are lazy, are fools. Okay, no, let me restate that because I'm lazy. Those who give in to their laziness, okay, are fools. We were actually created to work. God didn't create Adam and say, okay, put a hammock up and enjoy the garden. God created Adam and said, now, take care of the garden. Adam had a job. We were created to work. Woe to the land whose king was a servant and whose princes feast in the morning. Blessed is the land whose king is of noble birth, and whose princes eat at a proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. This again is it's applicable today. We have so many leaders who don't lead. They don't really care about what's good for the nation. As a matter of fact, what they're doing is they're bringing about the collapse of the nation. They're corrupt. All they care about is what's in it for me. I don't really care what happens to the little people. And we're seeing it today, just about everywhere. Just about everywhere, the leaders are no longer actually leaders. Through laziness, the rafters sag. Because of idle hands, the house leaks. Again, a little folding of the hands, and sudden poverty comes. Your house falls apart because, eh, I'll get to it one day. Laziness. And trust me, I can be lazy. I like being lazy, but it's not good. A feast is made for laughter, wine makes life merry, and money is the answer for everything. So here we're coming back to looking at life from the perspective of when you die, that's it. Money is the answer for everything. Do not revile the king even in your thoughts or curse the rich in your bedroom because a bird in the sky may carry your words and a bird on the wing may report what you say. The old saying, a little bird told me. You've heard that saying, a little bird told me. You actually do have to be careful what you say, because they are listening. Seriously, they are listening. It's, it's documented. They're listening. And the day will come, and, and in some countries, the day is it's already there, where if, if you say it, they're coming to your house. get through this easy ship your grain across the sea after many days you may receive a return invest in seven ventures yes in 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 eight you do not know what disaster may come upon the land have you heard the saying don't put all your eggs in one basket that's what's basically the principle he's teaching here listen don't if you put everything here and that in that one basket and then you drop the basket and all the eggs crack and you've lost all your eggs but if you've got eggs in several baskets or in this case, if you invest here and you invest there and you do this and do that, you got a much greater chance of being successful than if you just all in. I'm all in. If clouds are full of water, they pour rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. I just love that scripture. I don't know why, but it just, hey, wherever the tree falls, that's where it's going to lie. Okay, <laughs> that makes perfect sense. Now some people have actually said that, that if you look at this from a perspective of, of dying, that once that tree's fallen, that's where it's going to lie. So once we've passed away, whether we are saved or not saved, it's decided. It cannot be changed. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. They're so concerned with the weather or the excuse of weather that they never actually harvest. They never actually plant. Oh, I think it might rain, but I'm not going to plant today. I'm not going to harvest today. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. This reminds us again of the limitations of human knowledge. Really, as humans, we're so limited in what we know, even though we think we know. We think we know so much, but we actually know very little. I think one of the things that really bothered, well, I don't know if it bothered him, but I think he came to the conclusion, Solomon's conclusions, was that the more he understood, the more wisdom he gained, the more he realized he didn't know anything. Sow your seed in the morning and at evening. Let your hands not be idle, for you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. Back to the, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Life is, light is sweet, and it pleases the eyes to see the sun. However, many years anyone may live. Let them enjoy them all. But let them remember the days of darkness, for there will be many. Everything to come is meaningless. You who are young, be happy while you are young. And let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Ah, to be young again. You know, the older you get, the sorer you get. The grumpier you get. Everything hurts. Although uh, my brother did correct me on that one time and said, well, actually, you know, if you and your son both run into something, it's going to hurt you both. It's just he recovers a lot quicker. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see, but know that for all these things, God will bring you to judgment. Even when you're young, whatever we choose to do, if we follow our heart, we follow our eyes, God will bring that into judgment. So then, banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body, for youth and vigor are meaningless. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain, when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, when the grinders cease because they are few and those looking through the windows grow dim, when the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades, when people rise up at the sound of birds but all their songs grow faint, when people are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets, when the almond trees blossom and the grasshopper drags itself along. I have to go to my phone now because I lost my printer there. And desire no longer is stirred. Then people go to the eternal home and mourners go about the streets. Remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken. Before the pitcher is shattered at the spring, and the wheel broken at the whale, and the dust returns to the ground from when it came, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. Those of you who are young, you're going to be old really quick. Those of us who are old, can you attest to that? Like, it goes enjoy your youth because you're not going to be young very long. It says to remember your maker before that time comes where you're going to go see your maker. Remember. And he actually gets to the conclusion of the matter. Not only was the teacher wise but he also imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out, and set in order, many proverbs. The teacher searched to find just the right words, and what he wrote was upright and true. The words of the wise are like goads, and their collected sayings like firmly embedded nails, given by one shepherd. Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. Of making many books there is no end, and much study wearies the body. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Fear God. Keep his commandments. We spent... Almost 12, 12 full chapters of life is meaningless. Solomon looked at life from, uh, okay, most of that book he looks at life from a non eternity perspective. If this is life, and once we're dead, we're dead, then everything is futile. Like this whole life is meaningless. But he does realize that there is life after death. And even even though there's life after death, sometimes life just seems futile. Like, why am I here? What am I doing? What you're supposed to be doing is fear God and keep his commandments. Enjoy your relationships that you have. Enjoy the work God has given you. Eat, enjoy your food, enjoy your drink, enjoy what you have. Be content with what God has given you. It's actually, it can be a really tough book. There's so much negative in the book, it can be a very tough book, but if you pull out the, the, the little bits of positive in there, it's basically a roadmap for life. The greatest gift Aside from from eternity, the greatest gift God has given me here is contentment. Contentment. If you can be content where you are, and it doesn't matter if you have little or if you have a lot, be content. It is a huge, huge blessing. My brother has been doing a lot of uh, ministry work in Haiti, Dominican Republic, places like that. He talked to a man from Haiti who had moved to the Dominican. Now apparently the Dominicans hate the Haitians and the Haitians hate the Dominicans. They share an island. And that's actually quite common throughout the world, right? The Pakistanis hate the Indians, the Indians hate the Pakistanis. It's just, I don't know, mankind, I guess. But anyway, this Haitian somehow had ended up in the Dominican Republic. And he was so excited because he found a place to live. He, was, he, told, he told my brother, Scott, he said, I am so blessed. God has blessed me abundantly. I found a place. He was living in a closet. In a house, in a closet in a house is what he had rented. And he was super excited. God had blessed him abundantly. And we whine here. I don't have enough. I need more. We really do need to learn to be content with what we have. And the funny thing is, and I've said this before, as you become content with what you have, God tends to give you more. Fear God and keep his commandments. His commandments can be summed up in two commandments, correct? Which are? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and? Love your neighbor as yourself. And who's your neighbor? Everybody. So you guys know it, but are we living it? Are we living it? Sometimes. Sometimes. God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it's good or evil. Those of us who are saved, we will still be judged. Do you realize that? Okay, sorry. We won't be judged. Our works will be judged. Everything we've done and everything we've said will be judged. And that will decide what our eternity looks like. We're all going to, if you're saved, you're going to be with God in eternity. But it will decide how wealthy you are in eternity. Because our works will decide what we have for rewards. And just because you did something good doesn't necessarily mean you'll get a reward for that because it's why you did something good. Because God looks at the heart. God looks at the heart. Now, those things that we've done that are evil and that are sinful... We will not be judged for those. The sinner will be judged for every sinful thing they did. Those who have not accepted Christ will be judged for every sinful word they've said, every sinful act they've done, every sinful act they have not done or omission. But we will not because our sins are forgiven. But we will be judged, our works will be judged what we've done, and some of us will just barely make it. It says we will smell like smoke in heaven because we went through the fire and we didn't fare very well. I went really long last time so I sort of made it up by going really short this time. Father in heaven I thank you for the opportunity to share tonight. I thank you for your word Lord, I I realize, Father, that I I really don't understand so much that's there. But those things that I do understand, Lord, I, I find wisdom in it. I find guidance. And I thank you. I thank you for the word that you've given to us. I pray, Father, that each one of us would look to your word on a daily basis, that we would desire to know more of you through your word. I pray that you would give us a desire to read it, on a regular basis. Lord, I thank you that this this place teaches reading your word. Lord, I thank you that we have women's Bible study. We have men's prayer. Father, I thank you that, that, that we are always striving to know you better. Lord, I pray that you would give wisdom to each person here as they delve into your word, that you would speak to their hearts and prick their hearts, that you would give them understanding and insight For I know that your word is a living thing. Lord, I know that that what can be read several times can have different meanings depending on where we are in our lives. And what you were speaking to us at that time. But Lord, we can only be spoken to if we're actually reading it. So I pray that you would put a desire in each heart here to read your word. Lord, I pray a blessing on my brothers and sisters. Lord, that you would go with them the remainder of this week. That you would watch over them and keep them. Lord, I pray that each one of us would have the opportunity to share with someone this week of your goodness, what you've done in our lives. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody have a wonderful night. Thanks for joining us for the sermon. We really hope that God spoke to your life. You can find more of the Word of God by watching our service live stream and listening to our podcast on our website, LighthouseNiagara.com.